0: Here's why, you know, I, I we've like that I think to to we've seen good put about each other. I mean, Alex said, they out for two
1: world-class players. The Lions just turned everything around. I mean, even the other one one week. Here's my problem. I don't think they're going to want it.
2: Roll Kai! Welcome to the new edition of the Eosmith Sports Talk Podcast.
1: All right, welcome into the Eosmith Sports Talk Podcast. We're going to talk some NFL, college football, and soccer this week. But we start with our NFL crew, Alex, Parker, Leon, myself. And we got to start in Kansas City. The Chiefs are one and two last in the division, something none of us could have predicted, but they fall to the Chargers. Um, should we be panicking for this Kansas City team?
2: No, I mean, you definitely shouldn't be panicking. Should you be questioning how good this defense really is? Should you be questioning whether or not money's catching up to them? Sure. But panic is, is way too, uh, too much of an extreme, just given how much talent this team has. Listen, they got killed by turnovers last week. They got behind early. They threw a couple interceptions. They got a few uh, unlucky fumbles, unlucky tips on, on passes. They got behind early, and that just kind of killed them for the rest of the game. And this is a good Chargers team, too, that they lost to. I think you just kind of got to reassess, you know, Kansas City's not an invincible team, and they definitely have a lot of issues to fix on the defensive side of the ball. Panic time, definitely not.
0: Right, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Card. I mean, in the off season, they put so much money into these star players, especially on their offense. They put so much money into Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and they still have some good star defensive players that we have to take note. But we can't question that the Kansas Chiefs have the ability to put up points. But we can question that the Kansas Chiefs are letting other teams score more points than they can put up. Which I believe, if they can't fix that, it's gonna be a problem going forward.
2: I ain't worried. You're the best player in the league. You're going to figure it out. It's just just we can't even see them right
1: now. Yeah, look, we've seen that Mahomes can keep them in pretty much any game, um, even in shootouts with that defense. But you mentioned they've put so much money into the O-line and their star players that they're taking assets out of the defense. They're losing players. They're not adding anyone in free agency or the draft really to that defense. You have to be worried that in a battle with the Rams, the Buccaneers, one of these teams that we've seen so dynamic on offense, they're going to struggle in the playoffs. It's going to be hard to win, whatever, four straight games in the playoffs with that defense. One game, of course, you know, I'm never going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. But to win that many games with that bad of a defense, I would definitely be worried in Kansas City. Um, and then the other team I'm worried about, the Washington football team, they had a defense coming into the year that everyone was so confident in, all the first-round picks on the D-line. But they've, they lost to the Bills this week. Now they're, I think, what, one and two. Um, That defense looks terrible. I wouldn't even say it's Taylor Heineke's fault. Why do you guys think the football team has been so bad this year?
0: I mean, you said it in offseason. This team was a team that was going into the season relying on their defense. They had one of the top five defenses in the league, as a lot of people thought, going into the season. And their defense just hasn't been able to stop the teams the way we thought they could. And now they lost Fitzpatrick and have Heineke running that offense. So I believe – they got to fix their defense first with good defense will come the games that
2: we expect the football team to win. I think we got to reassess what our expectations were for the football team coming into this season. I, I know, at least for me personally, I feel like they kind of got inflated as a result of the division they're in. This team is, is not very good. They had, they should have had a really good defense coming into the season, but the offensive side of the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a, a winning quarterback for the expectations that people had for this team. So I think a lot of people are looking at them now, one and two, the struggling defense, they can't really do anything on the offensive side of the ball, and they're saying, uh, well, this isn't what I'm expecting. They're underperforming. This team is is worse than I thought they were going to be, and I think that's more a result of people having them higher than they should have been coming into the season than anything that that Washington football team has done. Now, obviously, you can make some improvements on the defensive side of the ball, and they will. They're too talented not to, but I I, am less concerned than I think most people are.
1: Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I'm very concerned for the football team. All those first round picks, chase young, everyone's saying he was going to be defensive player of the year this year. Um, They spend money to get guys like Curtis Samuel. They invested in that defense. You know, that defense is what's supposed to be strong. If the offense was holding them back, I'd say, you know, this is another good year in that development of the football team, but the defense taking a step back, maybe it's because of the division, as Alex mentioned that they looked so good last year, but you have to be panicking that all the assets they've spent on that defense, you know, guys like Chase Young's contract extensions are coming up. They're going to have to pay him the bank and that roster is only going to get worse. So I'm panicking in Washington. I don't think they have a franchise quarterback of the future. It's hard to see Fitzpatrick sticking around if they don't make the playoffs and that defense just doesn't look good with all the assets that they've poured into it. Yeah. I mean, we also have to consider the fact that we're still, three weeks into the
2: season, like they've, they've played three games, right? We, we haven't seen a, a, a a serious sample size from this team to really assess whether or not that they're having huge issues on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe it's just some minor things that got to get tweaked, right? Maybe it's just a few guys that have had a a poor start to the season. They got to dust off the rust a little bit and then they'll be, you know, up and firing in all cylinders. We just, I guess for me, we haven't seen enough from this team to make a serious judgment as to whether or not they're in trouble. If we get into Week 7, Week 10, mid-season to late-season, this defense is still having these issues, which I think is highly unlikely, given the amount of ridiculous talent that they have on that defensive side of the ball. But if that is the case, then we can start saying what Brendan's saying now, which is they're in trouble. But as of right now, it's, it's, I think that's a, a bad take and premature assessment from B.
1: All right, speaking of struggling, we've got to talk about the Colts because another team we had such high expectations for coming into the year. Carson Wentz hasn't looked good. He hasn't been healthy. All the things we worried about. Looks like they're still going to have to give up a first-round pick to Philadelphia, and yet they're 0-3 after a loss to the Titans. Are we panicking in Indianapolis?
0: I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of talking about the Colts. We've talked about them every week on this podcast so far, and it's the same thing. Coming into the season, they had – 21 out of 22 positions filled, ready to win a Super Bowl. But the one they were missing was the quarterback, and they weren't able to fill that position. And that's why the struggle in Indianapolis has been so bad. Yeah, at this point, I might as well start benching Carson Wentz and get that first round draft pick.
2: Yeah, I I think this is not the fault of Carson Wentz. I think at this point he is who he is. I think this is the fault of the general manager and the head coach and the leadership in Indianapolis, not looking at what he's done for – I don't know the past three or four years where he's just been God awfully atrocious and saying, okay, maybe we can get this head guard because his, his offensive coordinator back when he was playing good in Philadelphia and he can, you know, sprinkle some magic on Carson Wentz. That's not going to happen. Like Wentz, it, it sucks because it's a failed experiment and, and and this Indianapolis team is so talented on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive line, they have, you know, weapons that are going to develop over the course of these next few years on offense at wide receiver. It It stinks that the one position they're missing is quarterback and they had to give up a first round pick to a guy that's just not going to work out in the long term for them. I think they got to look to the draft and they got to see if they can get somebody there. I don't know if there's many great options that you can just kind of plug and play, you know, at three games, three weeks into the season. So I think it's start uh, I mean I kind of agree with Leon. It's time to start looking at the draft.
0: I know we talked about this so much at the end of last season and over the offseason about Deshaun Watson and his landing spots. If you're the Indianapolis Colts and you're looking at your Super Bowl-ready, Super Bowl-winning roster without a quarterback, how can you not be making these offers for Deshaun Watson that we see the Eagles interested in and the Dolphins interested in? How can you not be trying, looking at your team and just kind of throwing this roster away and just looking for the future when you have such a good team?
2: Because you yeah. got to consider what you're going to lose, right? When you have the the – assets that Indianapolis has right they're in great position with this current roster if they're just to plug in a quarterback and 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 win that would be great but you have to consider what they lose trading for Deshaun Watson he's going to be the most expensive trade for a quarterback we've seen in in recent memory they're going to be giving up a lot of the assets that would help them this season or in the next 3 to 3 to 4 seasons compete in the playoffs and, and potentially compete for Super Bowls so it's that delicate balance of, of having pieces to win now and, and giving those pieces up to make a push for a better quarterback, which is why I think the draft is the best way for them to go when looking to, to get a, a, a solid solution at QB.
0: I think I agree with you, Card. I just think it's going to be so disappointing seeing if this QB draft doesn't work out in the near future for the Colts, looking at this roster that I don't believe will be able to go anywhere without one.
1: Yeah, I've got the same question in Pittsburgh, too, because Ben Roethlisberger looks looks terrible. Let's be real. The Steelers do not look like they can compete for a playoff spot in the AFC North. They fall to the Bengals this week, who just put up a fight with the Jaguars. I mean, if the Jaguars are putting up a fight against you, you're clearly not that good of a football team. And the Steelers were beat pretty handedly against them. So I don't think the Steelers can compete. I think Big Ben's done. I was saying it coming into the year. You lose your entire offensive line protecting a 37-year-old quarterback. That just doesn't work out. Um, You know. Now you have to wonder: Do the Steelers try to go Cam Newton this year? Do they try to go win now, or do they look to the future and say, you know, maybe we can develop Dwayne Haskins, or look to the draft as you mentioned for the Colts?
2: Yeah, I I feel bad for Big Ben because he's a hyper-competitive guy, uh, and he's always gonna gonna you know, try and play and, and, and play for the team. Um, I I feel bad because I don't think the Steelers should have brought him back this season as, as a legitimate starting quarterback option. I don't think his arms there. I, I think we've seen that through the first three weeks of the season. At this point, he can't throw the ball downfield. He can't throw it more than 10 yards. He's not a, if Ben didn't have the repertoire that he does, like if he didn't, if he didn't win a Super Bowl for the Steelers, if, if this wasn't Ben Roethlisberger in in the name and image and like this that we know him, and it was just this quarterback and these stats, he wouldn't be a starter in the NFL. I mean, he's been that bad. They got to look at quarterback, and the best place to look at quarterbacks for the future, which is what they need, is through the draft. Haskins has failed so far. Maybe they can, I don't know, maybe they can do something with him. I highly doubt it, though. The best place to look for quarterbacks for the future is the draft, and I think that's what they got to do. I don't feel I don't feel bad for Ben Roethlisberger. He should have known that he was washed. He's a joke. He should he, he ain't no Tom Brady. And I and I if I was a Steelers, I'll go out and out and sign Cam Newton right right now.
0: It's it's the same thing we saw from Drew Brees last year. Just an amazing quarterback who's been amazing in his past, and you can just see that like it's not their time anymore. Drew Brees last year had trouble throwing the ball past twenty five yards. Big Ben's competing with that, having trouble throwing it past twenty yards. I think big. Ben knows it's his last year. The Steelers know it's his last year. And like Cart said, you've got to look to the draft.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the draft is the way to go because Cam Newton's not the future solution. We don't, I don't really think he's that good right now. Parker would argue it for an hour and a half that we don't have time for. Um, and then Dwayne Haskins, I mean, we've seen this guy's a bust. He's no good. Steelers can't be waiting for him to turn out. So I would go to the draft if I'm the Steelers. Let's go to the Saints versus Pats game. Pats lose again. They're 1-2. and two. Leon's got to be hype on this one. But the Pats going into the game against the Bucks sitting at one and two. Tom Brady's coming to town. Are we panicking in New England? You got to start panicking. You're going to lose to New England. Then next week, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God. That's Owen and 2. You're going to be sitting at
0: one and what? Four?
2: Oh, New England is worrying. Leon,
0: what? I'm going to argue with you. First of all, I don't know how New England can lose to New England, as you stated earlier. Um, I think you can't panic going into the next two games. You, I don't think it's a case of whether you have to win these next two games against the Buccaneers and the Bills, but I think you have to compete. Mac Jones has to show he can compete. We've seen high moments. We've seen low moments from Mac Jones. I mean, easily he's the best rookie quarterback so far, but, I mean, it's not taken much to do that. I mean, going up against Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Zach Wilson. But I think as, little, as much as I would like to see them win and Mac Jones to win these games, I think – the Patriots are more worried about with him performing in these next two games.
2: Yeah, I I was look I was watching the Patriots game uh, last week and I I was thinking about the the take that I had and it's just horrendous call on my part. Um, I think you have to be worried at least in the short term for the Pats, just given this gauntlet of a schedule that they have. And they've already lost uh, the first game in this kind of three game, really tough stretch to to the saints uh obviously buccaneers coming into the town this is going to be a hyper emotional game for players on both sides of the ball and the fans are definitely they definitely know what's going on too but i think tom brady who is essentially the head coach in, in tampa bay is going to have his players ready to go the offense is going to be electric i just think they're going to be more prepared they're going to be more as difficult as it is to do as as difficult as it is to be more prepared than a Belichick coached football team. I think they will be. I think mentally they're going to be more fired up than the Patriots are. Uh, obviously that, that crowd is going to be insane uh, in favor of the Patriots, but I just think the Buccaneers are going to play with more heart and, and they're going to come out with a victory. And then as far as the bills go, they've been rolling. They're probably going to throw up another 40 and, and destroy the Pats. So the Pats are going to be looking at what one in four with a, a probably struggling starting quarterback in, in Mac Jones. But I think from there on out, they start to kind of figure things out.
0: Let me argue with you, Card, about this next matchup against the Bucks. And I know everybody is expecting the Bucks and Tom Brady to go in there wanting revenge after the information that we've recently learned about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's relationship throughout. But I want to let you know something. Earlier today, we found out that Gron- Rob Gronkowski was hurt and wasn't going to be playing against New England. And then we found out a little later that Tom, that Rob Gronkowski wasn't even making the trip to new England back home. Wasn't even making the trip to Gillette stadium, the disrespect. And I know as a team, you can only bring so many people. So I wonder, is this the Buccaneers decision or is it Gronk's decision to not even come to New England? I think that Patriots fans and the Patriots and Bill Belichick in general want more revenge than the Buccaneers want. Tom Brady has been cruising along, won a Super Bowl is happy with the Buccaneers and meanwhile the Patriots have been in a gauntlet trying to build the team back up so I think they're coming in with more desire to win this game and I think the Patriots are going to win.
2: Nah, I, just- I, I, I think I think that take is a result of a lack of understanding as to how these teams motivate each other. The Patriots are process oriented. They, they look at the Buccaneers purely as uh, pieces on a chessboard and how can we strategically win. That's not how the Buccaneers operate. The Patriots, you know, method, the Patriot way, the this process oriented, you know, we're not going to focus on the results. We're going to focus on getting better every single day. And then that's, that's how the wins are going to come. That's a great long-term solution. Um, But especially in a game like this, where the Buccaneers are going to come in with, with outside fuel, with what's going on with, with Bill and with Tom and with his exit from the Patriots, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be more emotional. And I think for that reason, since the Patriots aren't focusing on this game from an emotional perspective and and a pure strategic perspective, as every single Patriots game is, I think the Buccaneers are going to have that emotional
1: edge. I think they're going to be more fired up, and I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, look, this is the most heavily anticipated regular season game in NFL history, and it's also going to be the most overanalyzed regular season game in NFL history. We've already got Oh, Gronk's not going on the bus. Gronk broke all of his ribs. That's why he's not on the bus. He's injured. Alex talking about, oh, they're getting hyped up here. They're getting hyped up there. Listen to Matthew Judon talk this week. Matthew Judon's like, I don't even know who Tom Brady is, right? All these guys that New England just brought in this offseason, Tom Brady's been out of the building for two years. Half of these guys don't know who Tom Brady is. It's Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick's not going to be on the field. The Bucks are the superior roster. And the Patriots are just inferior. That's the end of it. They have a rookie quarterback who's looked okay so far, but I've been too high on the Patriots. I have to admit that. The Patriots haven't looked good. They're going to lose this week. They're going to lose against the Bills whenever they play them, not the week after because Leon has the schedule wrong as usual. But this Pats team just isn't that good. And the Bucks are arguably the best team in the NFL. We know this. We know the Bucks are better. We know the Bucks are going to win. I can't believe that we're overanalyzing to say Bill Belichick's going to get this team so fired up and all this. No way. I I see no way this happens. By the way, Matthew Judon is going to know who Tom Brady is by next week.
2: Yeah, I I think that take on it is exactly the point I'm trying to make. The Patriots don't care who the Bucs are, but the Bucs care who the Patriots are. The Patriots are looking at this purely strategically. How do we beat the chess pieces on the board that Tampa Bay presents to us? And the Bucs look at it completely differently. This is Tom Brady's team. This is this team. This team wins or loses with Tom Brady, and they adopted his mentality as soon as he arrived at Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, as much as he will never admit it publicly, this is personal for him. Coming back to New England means something to him, and for that reason, it means something to the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They feel his emotion. They derive a lot of the spirit that they play with from Tom Brady. They're going to be more fired up. They're going to be more electric. They're going to be more energized. They're going to want it more... I think the Buccaneers, regardless of the talent on the roster, regardless of how the teams have been playing, I think this is an ice. This is one of the few times that it's an isolated matchup, and I think the Buccaneers, for that reason, run away with this. one. The uh, last
0: thing I'm going to say on this matchup is, I think the Patriots have the same mentality I have going into this next week. We got nothing to lose. If we lose to the Buccaneers and we lose to Tom Brady, it's expected. They have the better roster. They have the better team. But if we win, if the Patriots win, man, I'm going to walk into this podcast next week. Letting you all know what has happened.
1: No, because if you're wrong, I'm going to be ripping you next week. And you're going to be wrong. Alex over here giving the college rah-rah speak like he's Paul Feinbaum again. This isn't college football. You don't get riled up for the NFL, right? These guys are paying to put food on the table. Like, this is their job. These are grown men. They're not getting all motivated to go beat Tom Brady and do it they go into every game fully motivated this isn't college football like these are grown men the patriots no matter how motivated they want to be it doesn't matter thomas edward brady who has 7 super bowls is coming to town and he is going to show the patriots that they made the mistake right if anyone wants a revenge game it's thomas edward brady but i don't buy all that give me the bucks
2: who, who are you arguing with here? I have agreed with you for the last five minutes while we've been talking about this that the Buccaneers are going to win, and the only re- the, my disagreement with you is why they're going to win. Uh, I think they're going to win because I think they're going to be more motivated than the Patriots. That is the only reason that we have been arguing about this for the past five minutes. What do you not understand about that? <laughs> like, all
1: right, all right, this one. Might are you not up. listening? Maybe not. Maybe not. Let's talk about the Bucs last week game against the Rams. They lost to the Rams. The Rams. Arguably, are the best team in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Do you guys see it the same way, or just an outlier game for the Bucks? Um, let me talk about. Let me switch up the conversation that you just brought up, talking
0: about the Bucs last week. <laughs> I want to talk about the Rams. Everyone's saying that the Patriots-Buccaneers is going to be the most anticipated game going into next week. Give me the Cardinals versus the Rams as this oh. biggest game of the week. The Arizona Cardinals' star offense going against the Rams' star defense with Matthew Stafford. I don't even want to talk about what happened to the Bucs last week. It doesn't even matter because what matters is this matchup coming forward. Give me the Cardinals to take out the Rams and to be the best team in this NFC
2: West. I like that. Forget what happened last week. It doesn't matter at this point. But you're you're wrong. There's literally zero chance that the Cardinals win this game. It's it's not happening. It's impossible. I don't know what the 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 I don't know ESPN football power index thing is, but it should be zero percent for the Cardinals. The Rams are the clear cut best team in the NFL. They have talent littered like sprinkled everywhere on both sides of the ball. Their receiver core is ridiculous. Cooper Cup's been playing insane. Matthew Stafford and this offense are potentially the best offense in the NFL. Their defense they have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, which are Two top five defensive players in the game currently on the same team. There, I don't care what Kyler Murray has done through these first few weeks. I don't care who DeAndre Hopkins is. I don't care who rondell Moore is. Whatever weapons they have on the offense side of the ball for the Cardinals, it doesn't matter. The Rams won't even make this thing close. They're the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I got with your card. They barely got past the Jaguars last week. I believe the Rams are going to handle them easily.
1: I disagree. I'll, I'll take the Rams in this one, but not. this isn't an obvious game, okay? This isn't one of those blowout games where the Cardinals stink. The Cardinals are one of the best teams in the NFC. This is a dangerous football team. The LA Rams aren't the best team we've ever seen, okay? This is going to be a good matchup. I think this is the matchup of the week because obviously Tom Brady going into the Patriots is going to get the most attention, but as I mentioned, I don't think that's a close game. This game right here could go either way in my opinion.
0: Here's what I'm going to say about the Cardinals. I think with a fully healthy roster, they can easily take this game. We know that probably the guy who runs their offense, other than Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray's safety, Kyler Murray's best receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, is banged up, might not even play, going across from Jalen Ramsey. I think that if the Rams win this game, it'll only be because either DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play or DeAndre Hopkins is banged up and hurting throughout the game.
2: No, it does. we, we can keep going back and forth on this as much as we want, but I just think the Rams are, are way too talented. They're a clear-cut best team in the NFL for me. I think Sean McVay and Sean McVay's coaching is, is finally back to what it was when they were just steamrolling teams. I think this is one of those games where everybody kind of hypes it up like we're doing right now, like Brennan and and Parker are doing, like, oh, this is going to be a really good game. This is, like, one of the most underappreciated games of the week. And then the Rams just kind of waltz in and blow the doors off the Cardinals. I I just think the Cardinals can't match up talent-wise. I don't think they can match up physicality from a physicality perspective. I think their offense is good, but when you're running against, with or without, DeAndre Hopkins, it's not going to matter because Jalen Ramsey is going to shut him down. If if he's not there, it just makes it easier for Jalen Ramsey to shut somebody else down. Their offense, no matter how good they are, is not going to be able to do anything against against Ramsey and Donald. And then the, the Cardinals defense is good. I mean, they have Chandler Jones, but this Rams offense has been just out of this world through these first few weeks. I mean, they haven't put up crazy amounts of points, but from a, a pure efficiency standpoint, they've been ridiculous. And Stafford is just going to tear this defense to shreds.
0: I think I'm looking at who has the better quarterback throughout these three weeks, and I know Matthew Stafford is making his MVP run, but Kyler Murray has been the best quarterback so far through three weeks, and I think he, with his mobility and his arm and DeAndre Hopkins and his receiving core, plus a pretty good defense with Chandler Jones, who had five sacks in one game, I think that they'll be able to keep up and take down the Rams.
1: All right, let's look ahead to two more matchups for this week. Panthers-Cowboys, an un- another underrated matchup of the week. Panthers undefeated at, what, 4-0 and now, or 3-0? and um, And then Cowboys, obviously a team that we feel has, you know, put themselves as the favorite in the NFC East. So I'm looking forward to this one. Who do you guys have?
2: I yeah, have the Cowboys. I believe yeah. their quarterback play is better than the Panthers quarterback play, and that's, 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 the, that's the result of the game. Yeah, I got the Cowboys in this one. I just think they're, they're too talented to not lose to the Panthers.
0: Man, I mean, I don't even know why we ask you guys on these games anymore because I think through the three weeks that we've done this podcast, none three of you have picked an upset yet. So you know what? Let me do it again. Let me go with the Panthers. No Christian McCaffrey, no problem. Give me the Panthers. Give me Sam Darnall on his comeback tour. Give me that good defense that have played amazing through these first three games. To keep Dak Prescott at bay, give me the Panthers. Give me another upset, Brendan. We know you're
1: gonna pick the Cowboys, don't you? Nah, that. nah. First of all, this is disrespectful. I'm the king of picking upsets, I've picked more upsets than all of you guys combined this year, and I've we been used to on run the numbers every numbers. single time. So, with that being said, I'm picking another upset. Give me the Panthers in this game. See, C- no CMC, no problem. Give me Chuba Hubbard, the greatest pickup I- fantasy history by me. The Panthers are undefeated, they're staying undefeated. I think the Cowboys are a bit overrated. This defense has been outperforming itself. Give me the Cowboys coming back to earth, I'll take the Panthers. With that, we go to our next game, 49ers versus Seahawks, NFC West showdown. Seahawks one and two after a big loss last week against the Vikings. Alex, I know you're a fair-weather, but your Seahawks don't look too good this year. Who do we have in this one? Um Seahawks are the
0: same thing that the Chiefs are dealing with, and the Seahawks are the same thing that the Seahawks have been dealing with for the past (laughs) God knows how many years. Great offense, but you can't win if you give up more
2: points than you can score. Really? I have no idea. Yeah, I I, I got the Seahawks in this one. I think they turned things around. I think Pete Carroll had a, a press conference that nobody really talked about last week, but he made some comments that, that kind of had me thinking, like, wow, he's this guy. I mean, he's not—he's not one of the people that starts yelling and screaming when he's mad. But he had some comments that was like, okay, you know, he's—he's he's pretty ticked off. He needs to get his team figured out, and I think that starts this week with the Niners. I got the Niners winning. This is an easy pick.
1: Yeah, I'll take San Fran as well. I'm worried about the Seahawks. I've touched on it. This is a team that just doesn't have a good defense. They don't have assets defensively. It's Jamal Adams, it's Bobby Wagner, and it's nothing else. They don't have a name player on the D-line. I bet the three of you together couldn't name a single player on that D-line. The 49ers are winning this game. We're jumping into the college football segment here with our guy, Alex, and we've got to start with your Oregon Ducks. The number three seed team in the country falls in overtime. To unranked Stanford. Alex, how does it feel to have your ducks falling to a bunch of nerds?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that I saw this one coming, but I'm definitely not as surprised as I think I would have been because they've been playing like this ever since the Ohio State game. They went into Columbus, they played up to the level of Ohio State, they won, they came out with a victory, and they got bumped up to number three and number four, and then up to number three in the country. Then after that, they played like Stony Brook and they played. Uh, I forget who else they played, but they didn't play good teams and they struggled against them. They struggled to put up points. They struggled to control the game. They struggled to pull away like a number three team should be. And so I said, I I was watching the Oregon, Oregon game earlier today. I said, even if Oregon wins this, they should not be the number three team in the country. And lo and behold, they end up losing the game. For Oregon, these last few weeks, ever since Ohio State, it's been about focus. When you watch them on TV, they don't look focused. And the fact that you can see that from that far away means you've got some serious issues internally within the program. Now they've had some guys injured, but that's not really going to sway the outcome of games like this. So I, I I Christobal is, is definitely a culture guy. That's the Oregon head coach. He's a culture guy first and foremost, but he's got some problems to weed out. He's got some complacency issues to weed out within his program. And I think this loss as, as bad as it is and as much as it sucks for that program could definitely be beneficial moving forward as a shock to the system. Hey, we got to get our crap together.
1: Yeah, well, it may be beneficial for the program, but th- that's going to hurt their playoff chances and probably eliminate them from contention, right? Yeah, it, well, it definitely depends. They, at this point, they need some help. Certainly, the Pac-12
2: championship is a necessity, but I think you need to see a team like Cincinnati, who just beat Notre Dame, Cincinnati, if they win out the rest of their season, is going to have a, a great resume because they could end up beating another ranked team at SMU later down the line. Cincinnati definitely needs to pick up a loss to, to give Oregon some help if they want to make the playoff. The Ducks certainly aren't out of it, but they do need help. They do need help from a, a good UCLA team meeting them in the Pac-12 championship. That could be huge. Uh, maybe Oklahoma picks up a loss, but they're not going to get in without assistance from other teams.
1: All right. Fair enough. Now we have to move on to what was going to be the game of the week or so we thought coming into the week. And that's Arkansas versus Georgia, the number two seed versus the number eight seed. And man, did this look like a terrible matchup. Arkansas, no match for Georgia. That Georgia defense looks as scary as any in the country, in my opinion. 37-0. A shutout on the number eight team in the country, a team that was scorching hot coming into this game. And you have to imagine Arkansas's playoff chances are now 0 Georgia now looks like the second best team in the country, or even maybe competing for the best team alongside Alabama. Yeah, I think for me, this kind of dominating performance
2: over Arkansas, it definitely warrants consideration for Georgia being the number one team in the country. Georgia's defense has been ridiculous. They've they've allowed, I think, one touchdown throughout these first five weeks of the season. That is You don't see that very often. The last time Georgia won two back-to-back shutout wins in the SEC was 1980. That was the year they won the national championship. This Georgia team is legit. And they pulled up 37 points against a very good Arkansas defense. This is an Arkansas defense that shut down Texas, who went up to put 70 and 58 on Rice and Texas Tech. They shut down uh, Texas A&M, who haven't been great on offense this year, but that's still a very talented offense. This is no bad Arkansas defense by any, any, any definition, right? And, and Georgia put up 37 with a backup quarterback. It, it, it was just a, a wildly impressive game for me and for the Georgia Bulldogs. I think they should definitely be in consideration for the number two team in the country. I think they're going to clear out the rest of their schedule. They might have a bump in the road against Florida because Florida is always tough competition for the dogs. This SEC championship game, this anticipated SEC championship game between undefeated Alabama and undefeated Georgia is going to be the game of the year. I'm so excited to see how that game shapes out. I'm very confident that both of those teams will end up getting there undefeated just given how the rest of their schedules play out. That should be the game of the year. That'll be a, a an absolute showdown in Atlanta. But credit Georgia. They have looked wildly impressive. This is the most impressive Kirby Smart team at georgia i've seen in these in his his years in uh, athens
1: yeah i'm with you on that how about we go to uh, michigan versus wisconsin another game we're kind of looking forward to Uh, michigan obviously the favorites 14th ranked in the country wisconsin unranked michigan gets a big win though um and, and you saw those players dancing on the field at the end reclaiming their song yes sir uh
2: michigan you can, you can kind of rave on and on as much as you want about Michigan. They have, they have been wildly impressive these first few weeks. And, and it has largely been a result of their ground game, but this week Cade McNamara and that passing, that passing attack for the Wolverines had to get it done against Wisconsin. And they did. So I think this is something that, that should definitely scare Ohio state fans and should definitely scare teams like Penn state and the rest of the big 10. This Michigan team has run it so well and they just proven in this game that they can pass the ball when they need to. This is definitely the best shot in these in probably the last 4 to 5 years except for that that time where Michigan was number 3 in the country and they played number 2 of Ohio State. This is best definitely the best chance they have at beating Ohio State. Now whether or not they do it is an entirely different story because that game, the game Ohio State Michigan tends to mess with the psyche of some players so whether they can mentally get it done and still wait to be seen but this michigan team is probably the first or second best team in the big 10 they're right up there with ohio state they're right up there with iowa and penn state this is a big 10 that is is loaded with talent i think one of these big 10 teams has to make the playoff just because of how loaded the strength of schedule is going to be and how the the rest of the the conference season is going to play out but props to michigan they have looked great they have made it, huge strides over this last off season coming into the season.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Another game coming into the week, highly anticipated seven versus nine matchup. Cincinnati comes out on top. They looked really impressive. 24-13 win over Cincinnati, or over Notre Dame. Sorry. What are your thoughts on that one? I think this definitely puts Cincinnati
2: in a great position to have the first group of five team make the playoff in playoff history. Cincinnati, we were talking about this before the show with Parker, uh, the fact that you know we've had undefeated uh, group of five teams not make it, largely because they didn't have the resume to get it done. This win gives Cincinnati the resume to put forth a, a great argument for the playoff. This is, this is the second ranked matchup they're going to have. They're going to beat a top 10 team in Notre Dame. They have a relatively easy schedule moving forwards outside of playing SMU, who could be ranked, and that could definitely be another ranked win for the Bearcats. I've been really impressed with Cincinnati so far. I thought that they they might have a little uh, struggle just given how well they played last year coming into this year. Similar to what Iowa State's had, they're a very experienced team. I thought they might, the expectations might get to them. It's like it has to Iowa State. I thought that could have been Cincinnati this year they've proven everybody wrong in that sense. Luke Fickle has proven himself to be one of the best coaches in the country. The way he's built up this Cincinnati program, they're in great position, especially with this Oregon loss to make a run at the college football playoff and be the first group of five team to get there.
1: Oops, sorry. I think I was muted there. All right. How about uh, wake forest? We'll go to our guy, Rondell, Uh wake forest ranked this year, pretty impressive step up for them. They get a big win over Louisville, but a, a close fought battle. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, the the
2: crazy stat I saw after Wake Forest beat Louisville was that officially now, according to uh, quite a few metrics, Wake Forest has a higher chance of making the playoff than Clemson does, which just goes to show how piss poor Clemson has been to start this season. Uh, but credit to Wake Forest, five and zero now on the season, they're in in a in essentially the driver's seat for the ACC at this point, just given how bad Clemson's played uh, their their conference loss that they already have. Wake Forest is in in a potential spot to go win the ACC. Now, the ACC this year is wide open. It's hard to tell what anybody's going to do. Virginia Tech's up there. Um, There's definitely a few other teams that could be in the mix. UNC, if they can turn things around. Clemson, obviously, they have the talent to get it done. Can they turn things around is the question. This is a wide open ACC, but Wake Forest, through these first five weeks, has put themselves in a great spot to make a run at the, at that ACC championship, which is something that Clemson has had on lockdown, essentially for the last six years. This is the year of any year that a team outside of Clemson could win. And and is probably going to win the ACC.
1: Yeah. Especially with Clemson falling down this year, as you mentioned, Uh, let's go to Alabama, not falling down this year. They're still the one seed huge win this week, doubling Ole Miss 42, 21. Ole Miss really just no competition. Uh, Lane Kiffin as much as he wants to talk uh, really just couldn't get his team ready what do you think you saw from Alabama or Ole Miss that convinced you either way I think Alabama's just doing Alabama they they
2: walked into this one they never really made it they, they didn't allow Ole Miss to stick around they blew the doors off from, from, from the start it was 35-0 at one point until Matt Corral had a, a rushing touchdown to finally get Ole Miss on the board this Ole Miss offense has been one of the best in the country so far this season. They've, they've run for a ton of yards. They've thrown for a ton of yards. They were averaging like 600 yards of total offense per game, which is ridiculous when you think about it. And, and Alabama just said, ha-ha, that's funny. We're going to shut you down. And, and that's exactly what they did. For me, like I was talking about earlier, uh, I, I think this puts Alabama and Georgia in a great position to meet as a battle of the undefeateds in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. They don't play each other this year because they did last year. They don't have a, a really any big testers throughout the rest of the season. Now, A&M fans are going to complain and say, well, a and going to put up a fight against Alabama, and they might. But this is a different a and team playing Alabama than we thought we would have at the beginning of the season. Ole Miss has, has emerged as that number two team in the SEC West instead of Texas AM, just given how bad A&M has played so far this, just to start this year. They don't have the offense. Haynes King is injured, and he might be injured for the Alabama game It depends on if you can get back in time with Zach Calzada. They have not really done anything that would warrant consideration for even pushing Alabama, much less upsetting them. So Alabama and Georgia in great, great spots to dominate the SEC through the rest of the year and put themselves in position. Like I said, to be a battle of the undefeated, the game of the season in the SEC championship game in Atlanta.
1: All right, let's go to Oklahoma. We talk a lot about, you know, NFL prospect quarterbacks in the NFL segment. Spencer Rattler at the top of that list coming into the season. But he's really looked disappointing this, this year so far in the college football landscape. Um, they get a win over Kansas State. But, you know, as, as the sixth ranked team against an unranked Kansas State, you probably expect better from them. And I, I was not impressed by Spencer Rattler today. Uh, what do you think is wrong for him? And can Oklahoma, you know, make the college football playoff in your opinion this year? Yeah, Oklahoma certainly can. And to do
2: that, they need help from the rest of the uh, the rest of the Big 12. Texas needs to, to get into a – well, Texas certainly needs to be ranked, and they should be ranked, going into the Red River shootout next week. That's going to be a great game. Super interested to see how Steve Sarkeesian handles his first Red River, ri- Red River rivalry. Sorry, that's a tongue twister. But Oklahoma is certainly in position. They're going to need a little bit of help from the rest of the conference, which they should get. Baylor and Oklahoma State have also looked really good, along with Iowa State. The Big 12 is going to have a lot of ranked teams going into the rest of this, the rest of this season. But I, I think I, Spencer Rattler deserves a little bit of credit for this game. Kansas State is to Oklahoma for the last three or four years what TCU always is to Texas. And that's that one team that you show up against every single year and and they're not they're never good. You're supposed to be the favorite to win the game. And they always end up pushing you, they always end up pulling off a slight upset over you in a game that you should you, you should win and, and and win by a sizable margin. And that deserves some credit. Kansas State has put up tough competition against Oklahoma. They they had a two-game winning streak coming into this matchup. Rattler looked really good. The offensive line looked much improved from last week, where they struggled against West Virginia. Uh, I I was impressed with Oklahoma, this matchup as, as close as this game was against Kansas state. I was impressed with what they were able to do They're They're going to have their, probably their toughest game of the season. If not uh, their second toughest game of the season outside of Iowa state next week in Dallas, Texas red river shootout. It's going to be one of the best games of the year. If it lives up to expectations, Texas has uh, scored 70, 70 points in a game, uh, which they haven't done since 2005. Steve Sarkeesian has an offense rolling. Their defense has looked struggled to start this year. The Longhorns have, but so has Oklahoma's defense. They haven't lived up to expectations. So this should be a, a offensive shootout. Um, I'm expecting both teams to put up North of 35, 40 points in this one. Um, and, and hopefully for college football, it stays a close matchup right until the end. And, uh, Obviously, as a Texas fan, I'm, I'm hoping that we can keep it close and give ourselves a chance to win. Uh, but Oklahoma will certainly be favorites in that one, and they have a, a real opportunity to add a, a marquee win to their resume for the playoff.
1: All right, as we record here Saturday night, obviously we're still waiting on some games to finish up, but I'll just allow you the time to kind of go wherever you want to go, quick hit on some games, um, and I'll just open up the floor. Yeah, I think a, a
2: congratulations goes out to Navy football, who got their first win of the season against UCF of all teams. UCF was a good team. Navy was able to come out with the win. That's big for them. Kendi Amatololo has struggled so far in his first three games at Navy, and, and they were finally able to, to put up a, a, a win in the win column. Uh, I'm looking at right now some active games. Kentucky and Florida, that game's kind of closing into the, the end of the third quarter. And Florida, with a narrow lead. I think it is. It's I forget if it's 13, 10, Kentucky. Yeah, it is 13, 10, Kentucky, number 10, Florida. They pushed Alabama, probably as far as Alabama will be pushed this season outside of Georgia. And then they dominated against Tennessee, but struggling this time around against Kentucky, Emery Jones. And this one hasn't looked great. Uh, and that Florida offense hasn't looked like it, what it should be, but Kentucky is stiff competition. And, and, it won't be a terrible loss for Florida, but it will definitely be a disappointing loss if they're not able to come out with it. Uh, Texas A&M, number 13 team in the country. Same scoreline, just flipped. Mississippi State, uh, the opponent for the for the Aggies. Texas A&M currently up 13-10. That's with two minutes left in the first half. Texas A&M is, is going to continue to fall in rankings. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this has not been anything that anybody expected from Texas A&M. This was a team that a lot of people had as a maybe a fringe playoff team, maybe a team that goes out and makes their first SEC championship. Maybe they beat Alabama for the first time under Jimbo Fisher. That's not going to happen. This Texas A&M team has virtually zero offense, and it sucks for the same – they're very similar to Clemson. They both have zero offensive production. There there both needs to be changes made in the offseason for both teams, but it stinks because they – they could pair an effective offense with one of the best defenses in the country, but neither team on the offensive side of the ball, able to to live up to expectations or able to support their defense in any way. Uh, Oklahoma state, who is the number 19 team in the country against Baylor number 21. uh, How do I put this? This could be a big game for some of the big boys in the big 12. This is a game that Texas fans, if Texas is able to continually improve over the course of the season and put themselves in Big 12 championship consideration, this game matters because whoever wins this game is going to have a ranked win that will propel either Oklahoma State or Baylor further higher up in the rankings. So whenever they end up playing Texas or Oklahoma or Iowa State or one of those teams that could compete for a Big 12 championship, they have another Solid resume-building win. Uh, so I, obviously for, for Baylor and Oklahoma State fans, this one matters. But for the rest of the Big 12, it has uh, playoff or, or Big 12 championship uh, and, and obviously resume um, implications. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on Texas for a second, too. I, I mentioned them a little bit earlier. They came out with a narrow win over TCU today. It was a sloppy performance, but that's kind of how it goes when you play TCU as Texas. Steve Sarkeesian gets his first road win under uh, at his time at Texas. And it's a road win in the big 12 that should give them some good momentum going into the red ribble rivalry next week for the life of me. I cannot pronounce that this, this time around this podcast. Um, But Texas is, is certainly a team that's kind of under the radar for a lot of teams, but if Texas wins out and if they win the big 12, they could be in the playoff conversation. They lost to an Arkansas team that was unranked at the time. But we've seen what Arkansas has gone on to do. They obviously got blasted by Georgia this week, but they beat a, a pretty good A&M team as much as I've, I've uh, gotten down on A&M this year. That is still a good A&M team that they went out and, and upset. Uh, and, and if that's your only loss as Texas, you should certainly be in the playoff conversation. But getting a little ahead of myself there, they have a, a huge matchup this week against Oklahoma. Uh, and, and this could definitely have some implications for the Longhorns going down the line. Steve Sarkisian in his first year, he's inexperienced playing away in the Big 12. Granted, he'll get some teams like Oklahoma State at home this year, but he's going to have some stiff competition away. They have to go play Iowa State. So if Sark can get this win under his belt at Oklahoma uh, and and kind of build up the uh, wins in conference play that'll be huge in the event that they end up uh dropping one against a, a, a road big 12 opponent down the line uh outside of that clemson's playing boston college right now they're currently up 7-3 uh penn state plays indiana that's a, a definitely a revenge game for the nittany lions penn state the number 14 in the country if they have a good uh, game against indiana which they probably will given james franklin's Tendency to run up the score late in games, especially in a, in a revenge game for Penn State. I see them definitely jumping into that number three team in the country, uh, especially with Oregon's loss. Penn State, if they win the Big Ten, and uh, will definitely be in the playoff conversation. If they win the Big Ten, they'll probably be in the playoff. Um, trying to think of uh, any other games to, to kind of discuss. Auburn-LSU, that's going to be a really good matchup. 22 Auburn against unranked LSU. Ed Orgeron could cement his job at least for the next season if he beats Auburn. And, and, and that's big. It's in Baton Rouge. Even though Auburn's ranked LSU, probably the favorite just because of home field advantage and, and what Baton Rouge tends to do to uh, opponent teams. Uh, but from Auburn's perspective, this was a great chance to go get a huge road SEC win in Brian Harsin's first year. I'll be really interested to see how that one plays out. That one's at nine tonight, so it's a bit of a later game. But other than that, I think that's that's pretty much everything from me. I think that's pretty much from everything from college football today. There's going to be a lot of really good matchups next week. The headliner, obviously, the Red River Shootout, Texas and Oklahoma. That should be a ranked matchup. Can't wait to see how that one plays out. Looking forward to a, a great week next week and then a great college football season as we get down the line.
1: Sounds good. That'll be the end of the college football segment. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. This podcast was edited by Gabriel Agüera. See you
2: next week.